Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate Take me rock away from here, Lordy. Tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate?
away. Well, I have to wait. Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Yeah, we were live on the air. 
Yeah, it was live we were like, on the air. Okay, it's like, well, whoop, whoop. It's like, what? I promise. How to can this we day, turn I did this not around? That fire alarm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing she kept saying live on the air. I'm not the one. Listen, this isn't a stunt. I did not pull the fire alarm. Um, and then we were like, <laughs> well, let's see how we can, like, turn this around and make it advantageous for the show, you know, just to do some crazy shit and uh, have somebody <laughs> show up. You know, of course, they wouldn't let her very close, but hey, man, she gave it a shot, man. <laughs> I think they, they, I think they kind of, because I, you know, it's kind of like we're going, what, Jim and I? I was saying, Francie kind of is one of those spontaneous people. You know, if you're in a plane and you got like a parachute and everybody wants to jump out, she'll try it. She'll try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I probably wouldn't. I, I jumped out of that, that airplane. Now, uh, one thing I got it. I got it. I it's still and Brett. I want you to say the question. Well, the comment that you gave the the legendary horror person of all time, Elvira, was on the show. Oh yeah. Oh boy, that was yeah. that wonderful. Yeah. That was before. <laughs> I think I think that Cassandra Peterson that interview and we had quite a quite a number of people on the show that night and back then I was just a guy I would just call into your show if you had somebody interesting that I wanted to talk to so you were like a, an avenue for me to be able to connect with different guests that you had and when you had Cassandra Peterson on I got my shot and boy did I have a good interview with her I mean I was bringing up stuff all over the place going all the way back from when I was a kid and you know I was 12 13 years old hanging out with with my grandpa watching Elvira Mrs. of the Dark on channel 13 on Friday oh. evening she used to do her show and and boy did I really connect with her in fact she actually asked me if I wanted to like be her manager like she was ready to fire her manager and say hey dude it was all it was all in fun and games it was great but that was that was such a and I still have that interview on my hard drives of course I save everything I'm an archive fiend but it was after that point when Francie called me up and said you know what I think you'd be a valuable asset on Francie and Friends as a co-host. I really think that you bring something to the table. And honestly, Francie and Friends is where I got my start. And, uh, you know, I've branched out since then, but I always come back. When she wants me to come back to the show and be a part of it, I'm always right on board. I will always go back to my roots with Francie. That's all right. You know what? That's the same thing I told her. Exactly, and I was just like blown away. And and uh, Jim and I, I'm going to get to you in one second. Brett, what are you doing right Thank now? You, How have you branched out? Oh well, um, you know I have a lot of friends on the East Coast that are musicians, artists, um, movie makers, filmmakers, what have you, and. Um, you know, one of the guys from, uh, well, I'll give him a plug, Fuzz on the Lens Productions out there in Staten Island, New York. Um, these are young guys that are passionate about what they do, passionate filmmakers. Um, and I wanted to, I, I got a call from an old friend of mine from New York, Johnny Collins. I've known this guy for 20 years. We used to be roommates back on Staten Island when I lived out in New York. And he said, hey, I got some guys here that I've been working with, and, uh, you know, they're filmmakers, and uh, w- would you be able to get them on, on the show? And this is back when I was uh, on Francie's 
show. And I said, yeah, man, let me see what I can do. So we did have the producer of the show on, Frank De, uh, Steve De La Sala, and uh, uh, did an interview with him. And uh, it was the first time that Francie actually let me take the reins and completely interview this guy from beginning to end. And it was a great interview. And then uh, it was. You know, I wanted to get more of these guys on board. Um, but, you know, at the time, Francie's show is so popular. You know, she's so up there in the yes. ranks on blog talk radio that, you know, when I would, uh, when I would approach her behind the scenes and say, well, I've got these other guys that would like, you know, to be on the show. She was so booked up. It was really hard to get a to get a slot, you know? Um, so to be honest, I was a little frustrated with that because, um, not that I expect Francis to give me any kind of, you know, preferential treatment as a coach or anything like that. I understand the scheduling because, um, you know, at that point, I was like, yeah, she's booked up for that. Dude, literally booked up for like two months. And this is doing shows every wow. Sunday night, booked up like two months. It was incredible. So I decided, you know what? I've been, I've been a co-host on Francie's show for two years. And, uh, I, you know, already running the switchboard. I understand how the system works and stuff. So I decided let me branch out. So I started Baldhead Radio um, on my own um, just for the purpose of getting these guys on my show, and uh, so I branched off, still a part of Francie's show at that time. I was still co-hosting with her, but I was also working on getting my own show fleshed out and launched and uh, getting getting guests booked, and, and I learned from booking, the, the experience of booking guests, how much work that actually is. A lot of people don't understand that when you're doing talk radio, when you're doing entertainment, when you're booking guests, it's it's the guests hear the show itself and they're like, Hey man, that was a great show. I love who you talk to and everything, but they don't understand the pre-production that goes into the whole thing. And they don't understand what goes on after the show. Um, I learned a lot when I went out on my own about everything that Francie was dealing with. And it made me appreciate even more about what she does with Francie and friends really made me look at things and say, wow, this girl really, us her ass and the guests that she gets. I mean, come on, Cassandra Peterson, that was a big get for us. Um, you know, it was amazing. Um, so I started learning a lot oh, more about what about she's that. been doing for years. Marla Gibbs flop. Oh, the Marla Gibbs. Oh my God, we could talk about wow. that. Was crazy. Wow, that was. This is okay. <laughs> if anything can go wrong with your research on your guests, it went wrong for all of us that were hosting the show. With Marla Gibbs, it was. Like, and you know what? Oh, she was so please. cool about it. She was so cool about it that she actually came back and did another show with us. It was great. She she even accepted a couple of other of my phone calls, and 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 mm-hmm. Brett, here's something I'm I was talking about uh, with uh, Jim and I before you came, we picked you up. Is you know here you are you got this radio show you got Jim and I Burke. Sons of a legend, yeah. right here. I'm trying. I'm trying. Hey, he I'm said that he would love to do a show radio. with you. You know, Let he said something quick... about Ballhead Radio, and I'm thinking, I, I, what's Ballhead? That sounds interesting. I want to get on that Ballhead Radio. Yeah, it's that <laughs> name that really draws you in, doesn't it? Let me give a quick plug. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Ballhead Radio. Uh, I'm gonna... a lot of Ballhead guys paying attention to that one. I want that one. I want that radio <laughs> slot. I'm going to give a quick plug out here on Francie and Friends, 
And always remember my yep. roots with Francie and Friends. But my plug for Bald Head Radio, the easiest way to find me is go to Facebook and just do a search for Bald Head Radio. That's three words. And the show page will pop up. And just put a like and a follow on that. And uh, and then, you know, anybody that wants to be on the show, um, you know, we can make arrangements to get that done. Right now we are still in hiatus because I've been building a recording studio in my home and the focus has been on music lately. Um, but I have uh, gotten back on with Bald Head Radio, and I've got a guy, a friend of mine, who's an amazing graphic artist, and he's also doing uh, post-production works on the first video interview that I've done for Bald Head Radio up in Idlewild uh, last weekend. Uh, some friends of mine over at the Fuzz on the Lens Productions from New York premiered their film, Abnormal Attractions. It was their West Coast premiere. Um, and they all came out, five of these guys, and they gave me the exclusive interviews, and I went to the apartment that they, they rented at Airbnb, and we sat down and had a, uh, it's a, it's a full production piece, and something I've never done with Baldhead Radio because it's always been audio. So it's an interesting experiment, but fortunately I have a friend of mine, Tim Stewart, who has really helped Sonic Circus Studios out a lot with the building of the studio, and, uh, he loaned me the audio portable recording equipment um, to be able to capture everything uh, really well on mic. And uh, so that is all in post-production right now. It's going to be at least another three or four weeks before a finished polished product will come out um, because it will reflect everything with Fuzz on the Lens Productions out there in New York. And you can check out Fuzz on the Lens Productions on Facebook as well. You can find these guys on their YouTube channel. You can see all the shorts films and everything that they've done these are young guys up and coming they're making waves they are seriously having a lot of people big names that are willing to work with them actually seeking them out so they're these guys are great man they're just like down to earth young guys awesome awesome guys to work with awesome wow that's that's cool that's that's really awesome doing all this and 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 jim and i you know you you just seen where you can contact Brett and you're doing the Sons of Legends. Now you're the you're you and who else is uh, go ahead and make the announcement of who's going to be on the show next week. Okay. What we got coming up for you guys next week is uh some fellow friends of mine. We're going to be doing the uh Sons of Legends show. We are the Sons of Soul Legends. And those Soul Legends are Johnny Taylor his son, T.J. Hooker Taylor, will be with us. Uh, the legend soul singer, Joe Tex, his son, Joe Tex II, will be with us next Sunday. And I am the son of the legendary soul singer, Solomon Burke. So we will be here with yeah, Francie next Sunday. And what you Sunday. guys are doing is amazing. And I, I, I want to dabble in that right now tonight, but we're going to dabble in that a lot more next week because you're, you're the guest. Yeah. And I want to find out more about uh, Jeff a little bit there and talk about, you said something I was listening about Elvira. I, I mean, she was, uh, I had a crush on Elvira. And I, you know, he sounded like he know her. I want to know if he could still get that number for me. <laughs> uh, that was Brett who actually. <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny is when I, I had a daytime job and I'm telling like kids that are like 20 years younger than me, and they're like, who do you who are you gonna have on your show? And I'm like, Elvira. 
the first words out of their mouth was, can I be your boom mic guy? <laughs> so uh, they can stand on the table and... <laughs> and I'd be I'd be a gopher. I'll be a gopher. I go for you anywhere for Elvira. I would do whatever I need to do to make sure that you know she's an awesome redhead with blue eyes. That's very that's rare, man. A redhead with blue eyes. She's a redhead. Yeah, you didn't know that, Cassandra Peterson. No, no, I thought she was straight. I thought it was all black. She's a redhead. Yeah, man. Oh, I got a, I, I got a, I got a thing for some redheads, man. You ain't said nothing you, but a you, word. You know what was I'm funny? Irish. I'm uh, Irish, man. Brett, did you know that she <laughs> like confessed to us that her, Irish, her uh, schnapps is kicking in now on the show? She's yep. like, oh, my peach schnapps is kicking in now. I'm feeling yep. pretty good. Yep. Did you ever catch that? <laughs> All right, let's that bring on a, Jeff. That was a great show. That is our guest, and he is such an awesome guy. He is he he talks to teenagers. He 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 inspires people. He's a great writer. He's made movies. He is, without a doubt, one of the most ambitious men that you will ever meet in your life. Jeff. Jeff, hey, how are you doing? You are the man. Hello, 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 hello. How are you doing? Thank you for the introduction. Very good, very good. Well, it's absolutely true because when I'm scrolling through Facebook, I see that you're at these uh, like conventions and stuff, and or or visiting high schools, and you're inspiring young writers and everything. You 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 inspire people. I've been trying to do a lot of different things, and they all come together sometimes beautifully. So, yes, I I was working with young people before I started writing, and it just so happened that after I started writing, I became somebody that I used to invite to speak to my groups. So um, it was really easy for me to then and start speaking to groups because I used to coordinate those events for groups of kids and myself. And, wow. and and that's awesome because you're you're doing this hands on approach thing. And you're yeah. not doing it for the money, you're not doing it for fame, you're doing it because you care. Wow. One of the kids asked me at my last presentation, um, you know, why do I do um the presentation? You know, and I told him, you know, I do get an honorarium, you know. It's not that I'm not getting any money to help me out with the transportation and 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 a little bit of the expenses, but um, most of it is because it's in the heart. Most of it is because you know, at least when I do my my day coaching work, it's something that um, I feel I needed when I was a child, and that's why I try to do it for other children is because I think they still need it. I think we are still confused. I think dating is still something that you kind of have to learn on your own here in America. So that's why I try to get out there and offer dating advice to kids or people. I got to ask you something. I want to ask something. By the way, this is Brett Cruising with Baldhead Radio. Um, One of the things I noticed is that... The the show that's on hiatus, Baldhead Radio. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, we're still working out some kinks in the in the technical department as far as that goes. Um, you mentioned dating in 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 the way that uh, the world is now. Now I'm an old guy, you know, I'm 50 years old, and dating for me back in the in the 80s and the 90s, you know, I don't date anymore because I'm a happily married man. But yeah, definitely that thing has changed and. The society has changed as far as expectations and uh, what you're looking for. What, what you know, when you go out on a date, like when I was young, you you, you just go out and just you know hope for the best. I guess it's still kind of the same now, but you know, with what oh, you're come saying, on. You is, it, is it a different vibe? A different, ex- yeah, right. <laughs> is it a different vibe? Different <laughs> experience? Are the expectations different or like presentation when you go out on a date for the first time? Well, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you as well. I'm 51 myself. And, oh, there you um, go. Yeah. I try to tell myself, you know, um, you're too old to be giving out dating advice. But, you know, when I look at people who are writing these relationship books, you know, um, I, I think of somebody like Steve Harvey, who people may say, well, he's not serious, but he has a very successful uh, uh, book series, you know, Think Like a Man. It's got a movie. it got a, a couple of books. He's been on on TV talking about it. You know, you got people like him. He's on his third wife, third relationship. And I don't think of that as anything um, uh, slanderish, but I'm still on my first marriage with no slowing down, and, and I think that's an attribute. So when I talk to people about it, it's not that age is a factor. It is also an attribute because I can say I'm going on my 18th year of marriage. Um, And I say that I use dating to find my wife. And um, for me, it was a, 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 a road of not necessarily trial and error, but it was a road of, using past and other people's experiences to succeed in what I was trying to accomplish. And I put all of those things that I use to get to where I am to help other people. Now, in in my work, of course, I get into more than just saying simple things like date one person at a time, Declare your relationship before you engage in sexual activity. Those things are sometimes like old wisdom. But, you know, there's a lot of children that are here because the parents did not do those things. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't decide whether they were going on a relationship together or if they were just having sex. Um, People were cheating when they had engaged in a relationship and they didn't really get a chance to know who the person was that they were dating. So some of the things that I suggest are very, very basic, but they have real long-term implications. And I can say, you know, I point to people that are here because of those, you know, people that are divorced, people that have had to pay child support for years, people that are stressed out or that were stressed out and they would look back and say, I wish I hadn't done that type of situation. Um, so that's one thing. But then I also have 
um, created real cool little things because I like to use hip-hop as my base culture as opposed to trying to say it's like rewriting Christianity. I don't try to touch religion, but I do try to touch, you know, the little subculture of hip-hop. And I say, okay, we got a hip-hop dating contract. So what would be on that hip-hop dating contract? Well, the contract is figurative, but it kind of protects your heart. So, you know, dating contract would be, you know, tell me your problems, you know, express your feelings, listen to my feelings, be physically intimate with only me. Those are things that, you know, I tell kids, if you were dating me or if I was dating you, that's what my dating uh, comes with. But some people, you know, they don't decide that, and they lead to a lot of gray areas and a lot of confusion. So I like to clean those things up. And then, you know, overall, for like wow. me, I have a sixteen-year, I have a sixteen-year-old son, and so for me, um, it gives people like me um, a bullet points when talking to your children about dating. Because sometimes we ramble, we may not hit every point, and be like, oh, I forgot to tell you this. So sometimes my my book and my um, other information just adds adds for like smart bullet points. You know, I wish that you were my parent growing up because my first heartbreak, and I've been sitting here and I'm like, oh my, I'm not going to say the name of the guy, and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did he do that to me? My mom said, buck up, shit happens. Yeah. And that was my mom's advice. You know, my mom wasn't the one that, you know, stroked I mean, and I think that, 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 that may not even have been the worst. I've heard even worse stories of what parents have told their children in terms of dating advice, you know. Um, you, there's people that have hooked up with each other and started relationships. Not always are they on the up and up, you know. Some people did trap their, their husbands and, and um you know, there's abusive relationships, all chauvinistic guys that still feel that women um, do certain things. So um, it is a crazy yeah. world that we live in, you know. It is definitely there. And then there's a lot of children yeah. that don't have parents, you know. They don't have – they come from foster care families. They come from single-parent families. And sometimes the parent just doesn't feel comfortable or confident because they had succeeded in a certain area to give out advice, you know? Yeah, that 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 is definitely is true. true. And I think what you're doing out there is actually a pretty good thing. Actually, not just a pretty good thing, but a really good thing. Well, thank you and very you're much. Educating, <laughs> you're educating, stu- educating children. You're letting them know, hey, you know, and I, I've seen the photos where these kids are interacting with you and they're involved with you, which is awesome. Like you can tell that yeah. they care about what you're saying. Well, right. I, I, and that's one of the easiest subjects ever since I was young. You know, I think in college we started these male-female relationship conversations, 
And I think that's one of the easiest conversations to get people to talk about, not just kids, people, anybody. Oh, my God, they love to talk about relationships. I think the biggest challenge is to make those conversations uh, productive and get people focused on meaningful solutions and, um, and, and, and useful advice as opposed to just venting exactly. and saying crazy wild stuff. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and Tim and I, I would, I would like to. I know you got something to say about this. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I'm kind of listening because I've worked with uh, troubled youth for about 20 years. I was a social worker in Honolulu for a long time, so I was just listening, and I understand that the work that he's doing is a great thing. Uh, a lot of uh, churches and uh, uh, social workers and everyone. If you're out there and you're listening to this, this guy is somebody you definitely want to get in touch with because the kids today need all the strength conversation they can get. You know, we, we don't want them to fall into the snowflake thing. You know, you got to be able to take a little, you know, you take a little bit, you know what I'm saying, to make it today. Well, That's thank a very you. important point. I, sorry, I, I call myself, no, no problem. I call myself Yo Jeff, the hip-hop dating coach. And um, my book is called The Hip-Hop Dating Guide. And um, why I call myself Yo Jeff is because I was I was thinking of a cool way to say um, Dear Abby or, you know, um, one of those relationship <laughs> things. And, and I didn't want it to be Dear Jeff. <laughs> so I figured, yeah, you know, yeah. it would be hip-hop. They would say, yo. So I came up with Yo right. Jeff, and I've been doing this. For over ten years now, so thank you very much for for shouting me out and and directing people to me. It's something that I'm, you know, I've merged all of the things that I'm working on. And wait till you hear some of the stuff as we we start to well, talk you know, about how yo be, yo Jeff is in there. Yeah, don't be surprised now if you're walking down the street and somebody says yo Jeff, and then you got to get <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. It, it is a pleasure. It is my pleasure to respond to that because most of the time it's 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 sincere, you know, um, and people are seriously asking, interested in things. So I'm I'm totally available for that. Absolutely. I I I think it's great that you're doing that, and at the same time, there's yo Jeff, and then there's. The you're you're also a hip hop science fiction horror writer. Exactly, Ooh. exactly. That's Ooh. the fun part, right Ooh. there. I start I start to use fiction in in a in a very productive way. I don't make frivolous science fiction or horror. I I I, I write things that have a social commentary and. Um, I'm excited about that. That's a lot of fun. So, yeah, there's an apex where Yo Jeff meets the sci-fi and horror element. Actually, to tell you the truth, um, Yo Jeff was birthed out of fiction. I had um, really? written. Oh, wow. I had, pro- I had produced my second horror film because that was my introduction to uh, entertainment um, as an artist, per se. I had been an agent for comedians. And poets, you know, like Kevin Hart and J.V. Smoove and Monique. What? A lot of these guys, I have represented them, you know, uh, growing up, you know. And and I guess the best way to kind of describe it is, you know, I used to book Kevin Hart 
when he was only a hundred dollars. And the last time I booked him, he was thirty thousand dollars. So I've known him for a, a wow. long period of his of his career, you know. So um, with that, I had made this movie, uh, Gold Digger Killer, right? I had um, recently got married, and I was reflecting on one of my previous relationships. And um, I had a girlfriend who, after we broke up, had got with a guy who changed her phone number, who paid her rent, who paid her child's private school tuition, and was now um, a sugar daddy for her. And I was scared for her. Yeah, I was scared for her. And I wrote this movie about a girl who leaves her college boyfriend for a sugar daddy. And it just so happens that he um, and his friends uh, gang rape her. um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So instead of her going to, like, Ayana Vazan or Dr. Phil or even Oprah Winfrey, she decides to take, uh, to get the guy's gun and she kills him and the other guys and then starts to become a serial killer profiling guys who are disrespectful to women. And that, that movie, oh. I did, I did independently. I, you know, of course it was trying to be a horror, uh, but it got compared to the death wish movies. It got compared to the movie with Terrence Howard and Jodie Foster. Um, and it did very well. Um, and it did so well that in, the, in the urban community that there was a show uh, pretty much like The Breakfast Club called The Star and Buck Wild Show. And uh, he used to say, uh, don't don't be disrespectful, guys. I'll get the gold digger killer to get you. And um, <laughs> And it was, it was, it became social, you know, social commentary. And so when I would go to, um, it was also how I got to, into touring colleges. So I would, I would send the movie out and say, hey, would you like to screen my movie? I'm a filmmaker, and I can come talk about it. And they were like, sure. And uh, after you know a few months of doing that, the conversations of about the film started to last longer. In the film, the film is about 78 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes or so, uh, but I would be in there talking to them for like two hours. And so I said, man, if I'm talking to you people, answering questions, how to avoid a gold digger, how to avoid a player, um, maybe I need to put a presentation around this and just go out without the film. And that's what I started doing. And that's how I got into being Yo Jeff. Wow. Wow. I got to ask you, Jeff, in in your outreach and the work that you do, what is it what is the one thing about it that you do? I mean, you're down there in the trenches cuz you're really getting in there to, to really reach out to a lot of young people that might be they just don't have a good concept or a grasp of what's going on around them. How is it that you're able to to reach them and let them know that there is something more than just what you see in front of you, you know, at 14, 15 years old, you know, you're a pretty confused kid, you know, and so you, you're in a position where you can really let them know there's more, 
Well, I I can tell you like this. I remember when I was young, I used to think, oh, my God, my parents can't remember their childhood, you know. I thought that after I got older, I would forget um, how it was to be a child. And um, I am quite different than my parents. I think they grew up in a different time period, you know, where things were a lot different than how they were after they got older. So maybe that's why they forgot. But um, I use my childhood memories in my presentation. My, I tell kids that I tell people that my work and my advice is for from virginity to matrimony, you know. And I remember in middle school I had a fake story of how I lost my virginity. And then I remember my first time um, having uh, physical intimacy. I remember uh, my first first girlfriend, and these are all stories that took place in high school. I was in high school when I had all of these experiences, and my experiences are not that different from uh, the kids that are going around now. I mean, uh, I had a, a pleasurable um, experience losing my virginity, and that's one thing that is really different. A lot of kids don't have that first experience as a pleasurable one, especially young ladies. So when I talk about it, I tell them. And then I say, you know, the funny thing is I didn't have a lot of confidence when I was younger. I had I had eczema in my arms, on my neck. Oh, wait, wait, wait. My I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I got to back that train up because you know what? Yes. Listen, Jeff, I had eczema from the time I was 12 years old and all the way going through junior high and high school and all those formative years when everything is so important on making the person who they're going to be as an adult. I share that with you. I tell you, um, it was, fortunately, I have a strong sense of humor and I have a a family with a sense of humor. And um, my cousins used to joke and call me Razzmatazz. You know, I just got to say it right now. You don't know how much I'm commen- connecting with you right now. You don't even know. Hey, like, I try we to have that it, shared experience. It is, when it we is talk about getting bullied in high school, when we talk about getting bullied all through those years and how it gives us a thicker skin and a better sense of humor on how to handle things, and that, that was a part of our experience that made us who we are now. <clears throat> I don't think. Honestly, if I if I didn't have eczema, I would have been the same person that I am today. I, I tell you, um, it wasn't fun. I recently, uh, about eight years ago, I got eczema again, and I know it is due to stress. You know, um, that's yeah. the biggest factor in it. But um, when I was younger, I used to get it so bad that if I bent my arms, I would bleed, right? They, they um, would crack. I used to have, yep, I used to have to sleep with socks on my arms, on my hands, you know, so I wouldn't scratch. Oh, yeah, so you um, wouldn't scratch. This, oh, man, I've been through yeah, all that, brother. To this day, I still don't have fingernails. I cut my fingernails and keep them very low. It comes in handy when I play basketball, but um, it's not because of basketball that I keep them low. It is because of, you know, my experience growing up with eczema. I mean, not only did I have eczema, and that's not even a bad childhood thing. That's nothing really that bad. But it will keep you a virgin for a while, you know. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also. I also What's that rash? No. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think about that Skittles commercial where he has Skittle pop and then the girl pours Skittle over him and she gets it. I mean, yeah, that's kind of funny, but it's very reminiscent of what people used to think would happen if they touched me, you know? Um, if they touched and, 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 and yeah, me. Yeah. And mind you, mine only really flared up mostly in the spring and the summer. In the winter, right. I was good with lotion and also I wore, you know, was able to wear clothes. And, um, yeah. you know, that wasn't bad, but I remember my first time wearing shorts. I had shorts. I had knee, knee-high shorts and knee-high socks. The only Just thing that was all exposed was my kneecap. <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, but I, I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, because I, w- I was the jock growing up in school, guys. I'm sorry, I was never bullied in high school. Like my high school years was actually fabulous because <laughs> I was a jock. I played starter point guard on the basketball team, and I was left field on the softball team. I had a great – but, okay, yeah. never mind. I don't know what I was going to say is that – Yeah, what I was going to tell you is that I wasn't laughing about the thing. I was laughing that you said it kept you a virgin. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. I bet you that was true. Well, there's no that doubt about that. Tough. Yeah, man. Where else does that rash go? Let me tell you something. Exactly. Like, we we talk about if we talk about growing up in the eighties. Yeah. We talk about growing up in the eighties, and that was a time when the AIDS virus was fresh and new and going around in the mid eighties. And I'm in high school. The, the biggest problem was that, you know, it was all over my face. It was on my neck. It was on the inside of my elbows, the back to my knees. I mean, I, it was everywhere for me. And, um, and all the sex ed teachers I, always told you when you're going through sex ed in the 80s, don't go to bed with somebody without the lights off. You don't know what you're going to well, find. Well, the thing is, the thing is, is the major <laughs> thing is, as I, I got to tell you, I got out of a lot of fights because the first thing, before they throw that punch, they say, am I going to catch what's on your face? Is this going to come to me? And I say, hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, you're going to catch this. And boom, they won't even touch me. They wouldn't even punch. So I got out of a lot of fights. But the worst thing, they would automatically say, this guy's got AIDS because it was not understood what What? was going on with with that. Oh, yeah. So uh, automatically they say, oh, this this, this, 15-year-old kid has AIDS. So stay away from them. So I was wow. I was pretty much a loner in high school and um, and and happy to be so because I just didn't want to be stuffed in another trash can or into another toilet bowl or what have you. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, wish, but, I wish I was at your school. I wish I was. At, I was I was known to protect the guys like that, man. I was one of those yeah. guys, you know, if there's something was happening, I would walk in and everybody'd be like, "Uh oh, Gemini's here," and I would be like, "What are y'all doing?" Yeah. And then, oh, nothing, man. Uh, just playing around. I'd be like, "Gemini, that floor alone." I was one of those cats, man. I was one of those cats. I guess that's why I joined the Marine Corps, because, you know, I, I just believe in, you know, everybody can't defend themselves. So there's got to be someone out there that loves people enough that will step up to the plate and put their, you know, Let, all these people that are jumping in and kind of saving people and maybe dying for doing so or something like that, there's a better place for them because they have a greater heart to step up in yeah. front of something like that and say, hey, I got you. I stand with you. Well, 
you know, it's. I wish yeah, you were at my school little, too, man. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know. Honestly, me, this, my best a, friend this, in this, high this, school, his name was Robert, and he had he had those canes. He couldn't move his legs. He had to walk with canes, and his legs dragged dragged behind him. And his name was Robert, and I love that guy still today. Even though I haven't contacted, we haven't had contact in 20 years, but I still remember that friendship with him. I'll tell you this. And when um, he oh. he when he walked across the stage to uh, get his diploma, he got a standing ovation. Wow! I, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, so that was really I, cool. I, I understand what you're saying in terms of sticking up for kids. Fortunately, with me, I was um, not bullied by um, my eczema or even the fact that I wore glasses. I started wearing glasses uh, from in third grade and all the way to um, uh, um, college when I got contacts my freshman year. Uh, but I was one of those kids you did not want to try to bully. Um, one, I was a good fighter. I was a good wrestler, and I I was a pretty tough kid, so I would not take it uh, lightly. And then, um, by the time I was, from the time I was in second grade, I was a, a wordsmith. That's how I got to work with comedians so much. I was the last person you wanted to say something about because I was going to tear you up. And um, I remember, <laughs> nice. And the sad thing is, it does work against me because I remember joking on kids so hard that to this day they remember the nicknames that I gave them for because I was joking on them. And I'm like, oh my God, you're still, you know, you're not that person. You know, I remember called one kid Smelly Williams, and we made up a song um, based on that. I mean, he didn't smell; he probably just was growing and using deodorant for his first time. But he had the, you know, the misfortune of saying something about me and or trying to be disrespectful. And I used to do the same thing you did, with the, you know, in terms of protecting other kids because I enjoyed joking on people, you know. Um, and they so call it cracking. Dis- they call it cracking. But yeah, they call it cracking. Yeah, back you, then, like cracking on you. Yep. If you like the snap fight, or if you wanted to crack on somebody, and you would, you know. You were doing it disrespectfully. That was a green light for me to go and destroy you, you know. Um, and I <laughs> like would a have battle. fun. It was like a battle. Yeah, it was like yeah. a battle. I they, mean, had the, they had the rap battles. They had the crack battles. So, you know, they had the battles like the dance yep. battles back then. You know, instead of fighting, you know, I'm a, you know, let's do a crack battle, bro. Yeah, I know I all mean, about that. Now, by the time I got in high school, those those friendly um, uh, joke battles. Became led to violence, you know, led to fighting. So I would just, you know, use my humor in other ways. And fortunately, you know, my my eczema had subsided by the time I got into high school, you know. And it would always come and go. Um, but by the time I got into high school, I had learned a little bit of some of my allergies. That I mean, things that were irritated and started. Um, I was a little heat sensitive. And things like that. So I started, um, you know, to do things that would control it. Even now, um, with the, with the eczema that I have, I got some good creams on it. I use aloe vera, a whole lot of things. So you really wouldn't know, 
but if I don't, you know, if I don't put cream on myself within a 24-hour span, I will start itching and it'll become uncomfortable. And I don't know how to deal with that, but I do know, you know, sometimes in your life you hit part on points where you're under a little bit of pressure to do things and accomplish things. So I think that's really what it boils down to is that, you know, I'm trying to make it as a filmmaker again. I'm writing these books, and I'm I'm, I'm climbing that hill. So it, it's a fun ride, but, you know, you always put a lot more pressure on yourself than people know that you do. So I think oh, that's very, really very what true. it's more. Yeah. So that's, you know, what they say, you know, Jeff, I just sent you a message on Facebook because, honestly, this is probably the most powerful show, and we were wanting to explain you, and I think we're doing a really good job. And you've hit on the hottest subject without even trying and is talking about bullying. And this is... I, I'm I'm sitting back and I'm looking at Nick and I put the phone on mute because I didn't want you guys to hear it. I was like, wow, Nick, this is probably one of the most powerful shows we've had. It's talking about online bullying, school bullying, and we're doing it in such a casual way. I, I tell kids, um, and, it, and it's not only bullying because sometimes – you can do things to yourself because it's really self-esteem. I'll give you an example of how this is how I, I make my dating stuff kind of real to the kids is I tell them, you know, tell me how long you think my first relationship lasted. And, you know, they'll come up with a, a month, a week, you know, even they may even get as disrespectful as a day. And I say, you're still not as disrespectful <laughs> as in reality. And my first relationship only lasted four hours. Why did it last four hours? <laughs> Why did it last four hours? I asked the girl out before school started. She said yes. Oh. But by the oh. by the time lunch by the time lunch got around, she broke I up had, with you. She broke up with you. No. I had people coming up to me <laughs> saying, Oh, so you're gonna go to what you're gonna do on your first date? What you going to do this and that? Hey, she looks real good. You know, you can't have her. You know, I'll take her from you. And these weren't fully things that people were saying. This was anxiety that I was going through because I didn't feel worthy. You understand? So it was all in my head. So by the time I was like, she looks good. If she walks through this crowd of guys and somebody touches her, now i got to defend her. I can't beat all of these people up. These guys looking at her are bigger than me, you know. <laughs> I was so many thoughts that was coming through my head that by the time she saw me at lunch, I said, yo, we need to calm this down. I think it is, you know, it be, <laughs> I said, I don't think we need to go together because I don't think I'm ready. I don't even know how pitiful I sound, yeah. you know what but I'm you, saying. But, but it, you see how it fast was, See how fast that went through? They didn't even have no patience. Yep. They didn't have no school. But by the end of the school, then everybody knew. See, back yeah. in the day, I remember the third in. grade, I had this Social guy field. named Social Chris. Field. We were walking down yeah. uh, uh, Condor Elementary School, and he's like, will you be my girlfriend? And I said, of course, if you don't tell anybody. 
And then when I, they, uh, my friends were telling me, oh, so your, your boyfriend is Chris. Uh, oh, your boyfriend is Chris. And I looked at Chris and I said, we are through. <laughs> I told uh, you exactly. not to tell anybody. <laughs> yep. Because and, and so it's so much pressure. Your adolescent, your adolescent self-esteem, all of those things that you're developing, you know, and I just wasn't ready for it. And I, that's one of the things I tell people when, in my workshops, you know, again. And then another thing that I tell them, I said, there's also a lot of pressure for for people in general, but it's also a dangerous thing. Like the first person I ever yeah. knew that was a friend of mine to get killed or to die, you know, there wasn't once a boy that I went to school with that drowned in a swimming pool. But that I didn't really know him. So one of my friends, and I grew up in a mixed neighborhood, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, I grew up in a pretty middle-class environment. So we didn't have a lot of gun violence, right? But we did have stress violence. And I met this guy, 16-year-old. He went to a high school in a rival town. He didn't really have gang violence. But your t- we have, every town had one high school, so everything was rival, you know? We play this high school, it's, it's going to be a fight, whatever, whatever. And I met this guy in a rival high school, and his friends became friends with my friends, and we joked around. But he had a girlfriend, and on Valentine's Day, she was telling people she didn't go with him. And he felt heartbroken. So he went to her house after school, and she didn't come to the door. She yelled out the window. And he said, why are you telling people that we don't go together? And she said, because I don't want to go with you. I don't like you. And he pulled out a gun and shot himself right on her driveway. And oh, that, wow. was the, uh, that was the first person that I knew to get killed by a gun or whatever. You know, it wasn't somebody hit by a car. It wasn't a drive-by yeah. shooting. None of the things that you hear, it was that. And it always resonated with me. I remember uh, before I moved, um, I never. I used to have a P.O. box with my main office. Even when I had um, an office, I lived in a neighborhood that was kind of the last stop for the postman. So I didn't get my mail until like five o'clock some days. I was like, man, this is ridiculous. So I got a post a P.O. box, and so I would go to the P.O. box every day. And I got to know the people that worked at the post office, and I remember this girl. I was. I think I was like 25, 26, right in the middle of my active years, you know. And um, she committed suicide, 44 years old. She left a suicide note after uh, 14 days after Valentine's Day. I can't take it anymore. I'm out of here. And those are the two stories that kind of fuel me for, you know, to do what I do. I mean, I know being single can be stressful, but, dang, you know, is it worth that? And, you know, a broken heart can be painful, but, dang, and I always tell kids, they say, I'm not joking about this. This is a serious thing. So when I'm talking, I try to get their attention because you might laugh about it. You know, and people might laugh when they are in public, but it may mean something to them when they go home and say, hey, you know, this is such a real thing. And I'm not doing marriage counseling. This isn't marriage counseling. This is pre, just straight dating stuff. And this is, you know, this is yeah. not the dating game. 
You know, it's not nothing to laugh at. And I'm not saying, you know, you got to be like, all right, how you doing? What's your name? We're going to get married. You know, I'm not saying that this is to be that obsessive with it. But what I do say is to understand, you know, the things that can come from all of these feelings and emotions. You know, I want, to, I want to add something to that. I know you're saying that the, the relationships that everybody get into, they can be serious enough to where they could be, you know, violence or causing death like that. I'm one of those cats, man, and not trying to make light of the subject. I'm trying to be real about it. You can also lose a lot of money. See, when I was, oh, I was yeah. dating, I was a middle school man. My money, my money was always gone because Susan wanted some extra candy or somebody wanted something. I was trying to, be, you know, be the Joneses. I was t- 10, 11, yep. 12 years old being the Joneses. Trying to keep up with yep. the girls so I can let the girls know I can buy blow pops too. You know, I'm, I'm good. I just, I gotta, and I still do that listen, today. So I'm saying you can't don't yes. get that started because you're going to carry it with you all today. And that was another factor in why my relationship only lasted 44 hours. is because I couldn't take her to a restaurant. I, I worked at McDonald's. You know, it wasn't impressive. I wasn't the person I thought I needed to be to have a girlfriend, you know. Um, not that my friends were ballers, you know what I'm saying? Some of them were, but I wasn't the most wealthy person in my circle. So it all just boils down to your self-esteem. You know, like I told my wife, I used to to tell my wife, you know, that's why I buy you wine all the time (laughs) because it puts a smile on your face because, you know, when I go through my economic lows, sometimes I don't think I can – you know, make you happy by, you know, taking you on. And isn't that when you, you you realize that the woman loves you is if you go through your economic lows and she's still by your side and she says, honey, yeah, I'll eat the canned ravioli tonight. Oh, Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can deal with that. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and a lot of times it's, it's not the gift, it's the thought of the gift. I know uh, with people trying to kill themselves for Valentine's Day gifts, um, I, I, I worked as a school teacher. I took a, a year off now, but um, I'm still in the school teacher mentality. And um, Valentine's Day is one of the most violent days now. Um, kids are finding out who is in relationship with who how much they bought this person, how much somebody else bought this person, and it becomes so superficial that it's really not about love anymore. You know, it's not about feelings. It's not about connectedness. It's about some superficial gift that somebody bought you. And sure, you know, gifts can be, you know, very good, you know, but a chocolate heart is very generic. You know what I'm saying? You buy something based on something that somebody really likes that shows that you know them and your attention, you have to pay attention to detail, that's important. That's a lot more than just a, 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 a generic uh, gift of flowers. That's generic, you know, but, or stuffed animals. This might know, sound but, cheesy, but the best gift that, uh, like, let's say I'm in a relationship with Nick right now, the best gift that he can give me is when I'm asleep and he kisses me on the cheek. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, exactly. Like like, okay, like with my wife I'm and I, cheesy. we've been together yeah, for 12 years, my wife and I, right? And and turned 50 this month. And uh, Congratulations. Oh, you are thank old. You. 
I'm an old guy. You guys so, but, are but when we talk about thoughtful gifts, okay, for my 50th birthday, my wife took an old reel-to-reel player that I've had for over 20 years, and it had been wow. sitting in storage for a long, long time, and she pulled that thing out, <coughs> unbeknownst to me, and uh, had it completely refurbished, and then had it all, she cleaned it all up herself, and on top of that, she had all the knobs straightened and everything like that, um, and got it all working again, and that, that was her gift to me for my 50th birthday. That's the kind of thoughtfulness wow. because I have a recording studio that I've been building over the last two years, and this was a piece that I wanted to add to that, that whole thing. And she just decided she knows me well enough to know what something that I would really appreciate. And it's that type of thing, like you say with Valentine's Day, you go get flowers. I mean, everybody does that. You want to do something special. You want to do something that's unique to your partner. Pay attention to to, you know, what he or she is really passionate about. Pay attention to the details, exactly. Pay attention to what they would really appreciate. And that it's that thoughtfulness that you put into something that means way more than any kind of money you could ever spend. Yeah, if Nick gave me yep, flowers, sure. I'd be like, huh, huh, okay. yeah, What the hell are you huh. doing, dude? You should know me better than that. You know yeah, I don't exactly. like flowers. They stink. Right. My wife said, you know what? My wife told me years ago, you know, I used to buy her flowers, you know, when our relationship was young, and they die uh, and they wither and they turn into powder. Right. So yeah. she said, she always told yeah, me, this is the funny thing. She always said, well, no, what my wife says is like, just in, in lieu of flowers, just buy me scratchers. I'm cool with scratchers. And actually, <laughs> like on Valentine's uh, Day, I'll put a, a little gift bag together for her. I'll buy a, a, a nice card and, you know, all that. And then I'll throw, like, $30, $40 of $1 or $2 scratchers in there. And, and she's totally happy. That's like, whoa, awesome. And the last time I spent, like, $30 on scratchers, she ended up actually winning out of the whole thing about $45. So we came up 15 bucks on the whole mm. thing, and not a single scratcher died. Wow. Hold on. There's something uh, because – Jim, uh, Jim and I, you're kind of the ladies' man, right? Kind of. Come on. Yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> you, you're right, just a people person. Hold on, hold on. Right, well, I'm agree with that. Come on, come on. Uh, you know uh, let father. me come ask on, you, you know this real quick. I got the juice. We are on the after party. Hold on, Jim and I. Hold on. I got... Oh no, where is it? It's not on my switchboard. It's not on the clips. Brett, are you okay? I can't believe you. Every time, every time, every time. Wait, wait, wait. Trancy got like 300 clips on here. A lullaby? 300 clips. Gemini. You know what, Trancy? Trancy, I'm right here. You're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> Did you do a song called Lullaby? A lullaby? I, I gave you two songs. You got two beautiful songs to play that I just released a CD about three, four weeks ago. And what? where is the love? What was that? that was the love. Exactly, Francie. Where is the love? Come on. You got to get that. Where is the love? Here. 
Just lined up right away, ready to go before the show even starts. Well, so, I, but why? But I, see, that's what I'm telling. There you go. Tell her again, buddy. Tell her again, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I like about Francie's show is like anything can go wrong, and it's just we play off of it. That's like my Wait a minute. There's somebody that might want to speak. We might. So, uh, let's say, um, Jeff, you did this amazing book called It Happened on Negro Mountain. What? What book? What? Who did a book on Negro Mountain? Who did a book on Negro Mountain? What are you talking about? Jeff Carroll. Where did that come from? Am I bullying a whole mountain? Why would I call a mountain? See, I told you, Jim and I and Brad, that he would be the perfect guest to relaunch (laughs) the show right now. (laughs) And I was right. Am I right? So you did this amazing book. Uh, Nick is doing some computer work right now, and he's like, oh, I want to be on the show, but i got to figure this out. He's, He's stressing right now. Oh, wait. Gemini, no, I just, I just, I just took the phone from her. Hey, folks. Thank you, Lion King. I appreciate What's up, Lion Nick? King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lion Francis says the lion's out of the den. The Lion King has taken over. The Lion King is it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, going, uh, for better or for right? worse. Uh, hey, uh, uh, hey, guys. Uh, so, how are things? You know, um, before I say how are things to all of you i do want to stress now that uh jeff carroll um he is one of the best artists of his kind and you have to check him out uh he he does he he specializes really in my opinion anyway i mean probably in his opinion too in science fiction and horror um, but he's he's done so much more, and uh, his his movies now. Jeff, you got to send me Gold Digger Killer, because I want to see it. Okay. Uh, I've I've uh, <laughs> seen stuff on YouTube, and yeah, well, you know, I'm all aware about all that. But uh, I, I really want to sit down and watch that movie, and you guys have to too. He's not just uh, uh, a writer of books; he's multifaceted. And he is amazing. If you really dig down into Jeff Carroll's life, he's he's just he's an incredible person, and I can't stress that enough. So 
so you guys really have to pay attention to them. Uh, I don't choose my authors easy and people to invest in and say, here, here's a book of theirs. Uh, go check it out. Uh, it's, uh, he's, he's an amazing guy. Um, so, you know, I, I can't stress that enough. It's not a fair to middle and Francie show with Jeff on it. Uh, and all of you too. <laughs> Well, well, thank you very I, I, much. Not that you said that. I think I want to throw some ideals out there, Jeff. I got I got some good, you know, some good scary stuff, man. Uh, well, I tell you, I ah, so done you guys a, can a like couple, shoot back and forth. Of, yes, I got a couple of anthologies um, or a short story collections, and I'm open to a lot because a million ideas running through my head. Um, the cool thing about Gold Digger Killer is that. Um, it's in the process of being re-released, so you will see it hopefully uh, this fall uh, during Halloween um, for har- October. You know how horror movies come out. Um, I'm doing a, um, a re-release for it, so we're in the process of putting it back together and um, for everybody's enjoyment. So Gold Digger Killer will be out, um, and you'll be able to check it out. So yes, no question. I mean, uh, Negro Mountain. Is, is is probably my darkest horror. I'm a light I'm a light horror person. I write about vampires, werewolves, and zombies, but my stories are like World War Z and Underworld. They're not dark like I could do with a vampire. You know, I'm a very light action energy person. You know, so Negro Mountain is dark. It is you know uh, where I try to summon my. Uh, 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 Clive Barker and other, you know, Stephen King and, you know, try to scare you and use the the fear element. So you'll see that in, right, well, when you look, read it. Get this title. This title I'm going to give you, Jeff, is going to blow your mind. You ready? I'm going to give you a title. So yeah, you get you off the phone, you're going to start writing it. You ready? Here you go. Check this out. You remember when you were a kid and there was like a pathway that you had to get home through, but it was through the woods? Yes. And as you go through that pathway, mm. every creature in your mind, is in there, and it's daylight because the path gets dark and you get in deeper. And then it comes to that light, you're trying to run to the light at the end. So I'm talking about into the woods, a pathway home. You know what I'm saying? The pathway home. You know, a bunch of kids trying to get home, man, and that's when your mind takes over. And whatever's in your mind, that's what them woods bring to you. What, what, what I, would, I always tell people, you know, and that is a good idea, I, um, and I like the title. I tell people, that, you know, sometimes my stories come to me title first, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, like with Negro Mountain, um, the story is called It Happened on Negro Mountain. How did I, yeah. you know, happen yeah. into that story? Um, I actually was driving um, some artists back from West Virginia to, to New York, mm-hmm. and um, we passed this place called Negro Mountain. And I said, "Damn, this is like twenty years. Be- this is twenty years before Trump, you know." So I'm like, "Oh my God, <laughs> how racist is America?" You know, I was like, "This got to be crazy." So um, five years after I had um, uh, saw the place, we actually pulled over, took pictures next to the highway sign. You know, we couldn't believe it. You know, this was before cell phones, before camera phones, and the internet. So I had the picture sitting in my photo album, and um, 
then I, I once the internet came up, I I took a, I googled it. You know, I had I was looking for stories to write. You know, so I was like, this Negro Mountain is ridiculous. What is the origin of it? And I went and found, and the origin goes back to forty acres and a mule. Um, some freed Africans um, went to claim their land, and they crossed the Mason-Dixon line and established a colony in in the Appalachian Mountain Trail. And Negro Mountain is in the Appalachian Mountain Trail. However, you know, just like with 40 acres of mule, it ain't your land. You know what I'm saying? You take right. Native American right. land. So they had to defend themselves right. from Native Americans, from slave catchers, from a whole lot, and the the uh, you know the the leader of the the group uh, got killed defending Negro Mountain, and so they decided wow. to name it after him. However, that's not his name. His name was a Negro. You know, I think it was more like um, you heard of the Maroons in Jamaica, where they would defend themselves from slavery by hiding up in the mountains. I think the name. Um, really came from don't go up in that mountain because there's some crazy Negroes up in there. And that's how it got its name. <laughs> you know, well, you know, you know Jeff, uh, you guys, um, Brent and Jim and I, uh, Negro Mountain is is basically about a, uh, a family that's led by a guy that's uh, kind of like, a, he, well, not kind of, he's a gangster, and he wants to get away from it all and move his family. He decides to yeah. move them to Negro Mountain. And all kinds of crazy things happen because their daughter has an extra sense and stuff. So you, you guys got to really Uh-oh. get into that. It's like really, really something. Uh, now, so, that, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I also wanted to cut in because, uh, Jeff, um, tell us about hip-hop horror because you coined the phrase. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, okay. let's I, I I call it hip-hop horror when I made my first horror movie. Um, holler if I kill you, right? And very much like, you know, um, my other stories, taken from real-life experiences, I used to work in the comedy clubs. I worked with comedians for years, um, the movie stars, a bunch of my comedians, you know. And um, with my comedy, my comedians were urban, but they weren't all from the hood, you know but they still all had mm-hmm. some type of energy to them that wasn't quite Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Cosby, and they were even cooler than Eddie Murphy. You know, we'll see them now. They all became deaf comedy jam comedians, but in the time, we were formulating that. And um, I felt the same thing with horror. I was like, you know, my horror is a little different than what we see out there. And I didn't want to necessarily call it black horror, because it wasn't only black people. Like Negro Mountain, the story is of an interracial couple. You know, it's a white drug dealer with a black crack addict, you know, and they have a multicultural, a biracial daughter, you know. And um, I just felt that calling it hip-hop allowed it to still be multicultural, still be cool, and fall within that range. And I'm also, I'm from New York. So because I'm from New York, hip-hop is that to us. Now, I'm not talking about, like, what we hear nowadays. I'm talking about the 80s hip-hop, you know, the the, the um, Zulu Nation, you know, uh, breakdancing and, you know, from Wild Style and stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about. So when I say 
uh, hip-hop horror. I'm talking about something that's hip, that's cool, and that's multicultural. And it plays on a lot of the elements in hip-hop. Yes. What about the Harlem Shake, that Harlem Shake thing you got working on? What's, what's that about? Now, Harlem Shake is uh, kind of my um, benchmark work. It's the work that I'm currently working on. It's going to be an eight-book series. And um, I always said that I have uh, a, 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 a L. Ron Hubbard uh, complex. And that is I want to write fiction so well that people start to believe in effect, affect the world that we live around. Harlem Shake is a story about a earthquake that is triggered uh, when the Harlem fault line becomes active. Now, I worked at the Apollo Theater for 15 years, and I never knew oh, wow. there was a fault line on 125th Street. And um, I was looking to write in different genres of sci-fi, and I was trying to write mm-hmm. in genres that really didn't have a lot of black representation. And one of them was disaster stories and, and post-apocalyptic stories. So I was looking for a post-apocalyptic story. And um, Walking Dead and Mad Max are two post-apocalyptic yeah. worlds that I, that I really like. And so for me, it was like, how do you get to the post-apocalypse? You always got to deal with that. You know, how, who started the zombies? Where did it come from? You know, right. Mad Max, how did the world get so disastrous? So I found um, this earthquake story as my trigger. So the Harlem Shake is the apocalypse. It is when the world starts to, to break down. And then I have a sequel called Harlem Shake Survivor's Pete, which is the first book in the post-apocalypse. And I'm currently writing the third book now. But, um, you know, by the time you get to the second book, you're now meeting people who are in the post-apocalyptic world. And how does it speak to a multicultural audience in sort of an L. Ron Hubbard sort of way? Well, a lot of people know of survivalists and uh, preppers, but they don't really know black and Latino people to be these type of people. So in my story, it's black Latino people, and they are they meet a, you know groups of survivalists, and one of the larger groups is a group called the Harlem Survivors, and they were preparing for the okay. post-apocalypse. One one question even for you. Now. Yes. One question: How do you sleep at night? I mean, honest, all those things that are. I mean, you're you're brilliant. Honestly, <laughs> I, I that, sleep with a pen. Uh, I sleep with a pen and a paper next to me, and I have the ability to get these ideas out of my head. Probably you probably know? write in your sleep. I just I tell you, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm gonna make it very yeah. I'm gonna make it very real for you, right? Um, I'm um, getting back into film. I shot my third movie uh, last year. And that actually is what got um, Gold Digger Killer is distribution deal, right? And um, I've been trying to think of smaller film projects that I could learn and shoot myself. Instead of hiring a crew, I would be able to learn because I learned a little bit of editing this year, and I'm so proud of myself. I got this new computer 
that has enough uh, memory so, that I can do it. You know? So, so let's say one of the movie, man, call me up. Try to get me into it, Jeff. Oh. Jeff, call Simon Burke. No. Get me into it. Well, I'm gonna tell you this much. I, I think that I out, think that you and uh, Solomon Burke would. I mean, uh, uh, Jim and I Burke would be a very good mixture. Well, I know that's part of. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a good actor. The goal man. I'm of a good actor. You need a good. Well, I, you I, need a good actor, right now, Jeff, you let shooting, me know. I'm shooting out of Florida, um, right now, a little South Florida element, but. I do know uh, my goals are to to continue doing this. So um, stay in touch. I know um, this was one of the reasons why she um, she wanted to put me on the show with, with you guys for us to get to know each other or to meet um, next year. Hopefully Absolutely. by November, exactly. December, I you know I will be able to know a little bit better of what I'm going to do with my film career. Um, but that's the goal. Um, so here, let me just tell you this real quick because I want to throw it out there. It's going to take, take shapes and forms differently, but to give you an idea, I wrote this book called Sci-Fi Streets, and Sci-Fi Streets is a collection I, of short stories. I've seen that I, on Amazon. Yeah. I want to I read it. I tried to write in, 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 in a variety of subgenres. I even have a Nero Mountain short story that kind of follows uh, the Negro Mountain story. Oh. And um, I also have a story in there called The Programmable Man. And um, The Programmable Man is where I blend Yo Jeff in with my science fiction writing. And I kind of go into a futuristic projection because of the things that I've been seeing. So you know the classic story of a guy who orders a sex robot you always see that little story. Oh, yeah. Little nerd, yeah, little nerd yeah, guy. Yeah, so, that was yeah, the yeah, starting yeah. of okay, election. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that is the mis... I think that's incorrect, right? I think because we have a surplus of women, right, because of male incarceration, birth rates, uh, just a whole lot of things, war, um we have a lot more men than we have, I mean, a lot more women than we have men. So I felt that the robot, the love robot industry would be more of a demand for male robots than it would be for female robots. And I wrote this story called The Programmable Man, uh, where a young lady who lives in some sort of iRobot future, where robots are our security robot, and and she watches a late night infomercial where it says, "Oh, we have this thing called the Feelings Program," and uh, it turns your robot into the ultimate Casanova, the love machine, and she's struggling singing. Hey. Uh, she I'm orders her feelings, feelings Program, and and it comes with a full latex suit. <laughs> What? That don't make no sense. Yeah. That don't make oh, sense. Oh, so it's not the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yes, no, it's a real one. And so um, I am planning to shoot that story. And when I started thinking about it, I had two other stories that, that were sort of love relationship stuff that go very go along with it. So um, I actually am 
came up with a, 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 a compilation of stories that are going to be like a hip hop Twilight Zone. And I'm I really want to. Oh wow! Yeah, that's nice. Uh, that's nice. I want to I want to put nice. it together because you you know Jordan Peele is doing his remake of the Twilight Zone, so I'm I'm really want to do something like that. So that's something that you might want to you know um, um, keep in the back of your mind. Um, but it's something that you know this is an idea that just came to me yesterday. You know, so I just wanted to show you how you know I move on stuff, and I just take the idea. And I put it somewhere else, and as I start developing things, it gets more legs. I tell people about it. I write it up, save it on my computer, and then I keep moving. Wow. Nice. His mind does not stop moving, actually. That's why I said, when do you sleep? Okay, uh, Blog Talk Radio is about to cut us off. And okay. next uh, week we got Gemini Burke and the Sons of Legends. And I was thinking of a special two co-hosts to do that show. Um, I, Jeff and Brett, would you want to do those shows next Sunday? I, I have to check. Um, um. Because next Come week is my spring break, and I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what we have doing because I know we're supposed to be going on vacation or something similar to that. But I can get back to you probably tomorrow. Let me check. I would say I know that's spring break. I would say from my end, um, the next couple of full weekends are going to be devoted to post productions for the, mm. the okay. interview I did with okay. Fuzz on the Lens Productions. So, so I can't I, I can't say for sure I can get back it to works. you later on in the week. And it's, it's always something it's going on way. with Bald Head Radio. So it's just right now we're we're in uh we're doing a lot of work with uh the video and getting that um all buttoned up. That's right. gonna take Gemini, at I least got another you. two I, or three weeks. I so. do have you loaded That's okay. for a special call. That's okay, I understand. I understand everything that everybody's doing. It's all about business, getting things done. But it's also about like networking about too, Gemini. Radio, you know, is, when, it'll, is, the when, interviews will be on the radio, on the internet. So I, I yeah. have another block, couple of block talk shows that I listen to while I'm working out. So I'll definitely be able to listen and tune in afterwards. So you got you have a listener. Oh yeah. You know oh, what? The, the, the majority, the the majority of the listens that we get are are with the uh, actually podcast side of things. The live side, we get listeners, and sometimes we get call-ins and things like that. But most of it is after the fact, after the show's already been done, and then it goes into the podcast form. It, at least in the in this world that we're broadcasting on right now, that's where the majority of the listens come from because people want to do to listen to it after the fact when it's convenient for them to sit down and or in their car or whatever. And that, that works out even better. Like you don't have to be listening to it live. You know, you can catch it later and that's the beauty of it. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Actually, yeah, I do have a special host. He is a nephew he, on, wait, my brother married. He's a, uh, is he a brother-in-law? 
Okay, I got it. I got a special co-host for your show, Jim and I. Okay, well, I just wanted to thank the other guys for being there today and, and for meeting them on the radio. I think you guys are fantastic. I hope someday to meet you live. It would really be a great honor oh, yeah. to do so. Absolutely. Uh, and Jim and I just to wanted to say, Coast. yeah, Jim and I wanted to say that, you know, you and I hooked up together on the Facebook, so we never really had a conversation. I don't think he, we really understood. Our, we knew, you know, we, were, we knew each other through Francie. And I want to say that I've had conversations with your father when he used to be on Francie. And he was a great man, uh, yeah, an, that, an entertainer. That was awesome. He was he was a, he was a good dude, man. He just like had so much energy, and it's great to talk and to you and get to know just you. Just like father, doesn't he? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, he does. He does <laughs> truly. And I look forward to uh, you know having further contact and conversations with you, not just regarding your father, of Absolutely. course, because he's a legend. But everything that you do on your own as, as on your own two legs, you know what I mean. Absolutely, absolutely. If you know, if you're ever in Vegas, we got a show we're doing in Vegas at the East Cannery Casino, May 17th. Love for you guys to come down there if you can. You'll be in Vegas and get yourself a room at the Cannery there and see the Sons of Soul Legends. I go out okay. to Vegas once, twice a year because I got family out there and we're buying property out in Pahrump within the next couple of years. So okay. I mean, I, I've I've lived in Vegas, I've yeah. lived in Pahrump, and uh, I, I love the. Yeah, Prump is nice, dude. It's a great place to buy property, brother. I'll tell you that. Yes, it is. And, and also a very special shout-out to Victoria Burke, who, oh, yes. if My it wasn't sister. for her, we I love met. that girl. Exactly. Uh, my father. Yeah. She's the one that traveled with my father. She was like the road manager. She's she's a great person. Here's the whole thing. It's all about it's all about networking and, I, we got and her talking song. to each other. And... Okay. Keep talking. It's all about networking. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying as far as you know, the, the in in the entertainment world, because I deal with a lot of different people on my show, and it's 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 all about networking and you meet more people through the more people that you talk with, the more people that you meet up with, you meet a bunch of other people and it it just grows from there. And we're all of the same understanding that we can't get out what we have to offer without the support of others who understand what we're all doing. All of us have our individual things that we do. We all have our strengths. But we have a network of people that we talk to and we deal with on a regular basis that help us. We all help each other out in in all of our endeavors, and that's the most important thing to understand with the whole thing. Entertainment, we're out there to to yes, we're out there to entertain people. We're out there to have a good time and enjoy what we're passionate about. That's the most important thing, and the fact that we have. With the internet now, we have this this platform that we can all connect with each other and communicate with each other and talk about ideas and trade trade things and 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 get you know inspiration from each other. You know, and it's it's to me that's the whole reason that I started Ballhead Radio 
after being on Frenzy's show for two years, I'm like, wow, this is a great place to really connect with so many different people that do so many different things, and we're all of the, yeah. we're all like-minded. We want to be able to have an outlet to for our creativity, and that's what we do. We continue to do. So it's very important for us to all, you know, we all understand what that is supporting each other. One, one of the coolest things I that I ever heard from one of my guests is he was a little small-town comedian at the Comedy House, and I booked him, and it became the number one show on comedy on Block Talk Radio. I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I finally beat Dr. Blogstein. And what Steve Mongolia, he... He messaged me, and he was like, here you are, you're so little, and you're getting all this viewers, and people are listening to you, and a little guy like me from South Georgia, and you gave me this recognition, and that's, you know, I took that to heart, and that's when I decided to take Francie and Friends to a whole new level. That's what it's all about. It's all about yeah, all absolutely. of us absolutely. all of us supporting each other and all of us elevating each other individually with, with what we do. You know, like I'm a musician, but I'm also, I found my strength in being a, a talk show host and an interviewer. And I didn't even know I had Matt, that thing until I met you. I think so you need to get Gemini you. on your show. I think that's a total possibility. We have, still have some technical issues to work out here in the studio, um, in, in the yeah. build that we're doing. The, the studio is mainly focused on music production and voiceover production. And I've been doing a lot of work in those areas over the last couple of years. So I've been really focused with that. So I've kind of let the radio show go by the wayside for a while while I was concentrating because I'm just one man. You know, I mean, I have a team of people that are supporting me and helping me build this whole thing, but it's it's not a simple endeavor with what's going on in this room right here. It's, there's a lot of equipment yeah, and there's a lot of things going on. But what kind of what kind of music what kind of music do you do? What kind of music are you doing? Um, I write mostly, um, you know, a lot of synthesizers, uh, a lot of ambient work. Um, I don't do electronic dance music, that kind of thing. But I am writing music with others through their studios and then through to my studios where we're, we do a lot of, uh, it's, it's mostly electronic music synthesizer type of work, but we're also focusing in other areas with other artists um, that we're branching out to. Um, all of it's um, very mercurial at times because, you know, artists are very, can be flighty at times. Um, getting together right. to work with these guys in one room at any one time is, is very difficult. And it's, it's a lot of focus um, paid towards this. But you can find some of the things that I've done by myself and with other some uh, other people that I work with um, on my YouTube channel. And that's uh, another plug, Francie. Is that cool? Another plug for me? Um, laptop yeah, Puppy on YouTube. Puppy, all one word, on YouTube. And you can find my channel there. And you'll see some of it. It's all you know, synthesizer work and things like that. A um, couple of live jams that are there, uh, things like uh, of that nature, if you're interested in looking at that. I have my fingers in all kinds of different things at this time, so um, 
Okay. However, blog, um, Bald Head Radio has is coming back back out again. I've I've been putting a little bit more work now into that facet of the studio. So um, it's uh, I just got I'm so busy all the time just with all this stuff. Plus, you know, I have a day job like everybody else does. I do all this stuff in my spare time, you know. So I say, you know, yeah. add to that. Okay, add to that. I have three grandchildren, so you know, take that for what it's worth. Okay. I spend a lot of time with my grandchildren. Hey, as well, you're so. granddad. I'm a grandfather three what times over. Granddad it's, it's, on my hey, show. What's wrong with being what the a grandfather? What the hell is wrong with you? That's a good thing. Hey, I got to tell you, I've got grandchildren. I got three grandchildren myself, so no, hey, join the club. Hey, yeah. Listen, man, being a grandfather, grandfather. Dad, look, hey, being hey, a grandfather hey, is right the great. Look, look, I'm telling you, I got a title for you guys. You two guys are right. Look, we're talking about grandpa. Watch this. Grandpa's back. That's just a, that's the title <laughs> of the scary story. Grandpa's back. Look, look, grandpa's back. That's all, you know what I'm saying? Remember they had mama? They had mama? Mm-hmm. And then this is grandpa's back. Well, I tell but he's you, gone. You know um, what I'm saying? He's gone, but um, I'm back. Friends, friends. Come on, somebody. There's a million color right there. We're making millions of dollars <laughs> on that one. <laughs> well, Francie, I, I like to thank you for always having me on. Um, the, 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 the funny thing about this show is that it's the most I really get to speak to you and Nick. So I always enjoy it because yes. I get to talk to you guys, you know, because I don't really get a chance to talk on the phone with you a lot. Um, but what I do like also about this era that we're in is, um, you know, in the 80s, and in, the, in, the, in, the, in those, those years, the 90s, you had to have a lot of people's approval to get things done. And there were a lot of yep. gatekeepers, you know. And yep. now with, with, the, with these um, technology you don't need those people anymore. You can start your own radio show. You can be your own artist. I can pick up a pen and a typewriter, upload my book to Kindle, and it's out there for everybody. I don't need to have anybody's approval, and I don't need a lot of money to do it. You know, um, you need that's time. That's beautiful and Time thing. means money. Yep. But that's, that's, that's the era that we're in right now. And I think your show and, you know, the guests that you have on are – speak to that, you know, it kind of evens out the chitlin circuit if there was ever a, such a thing, you know. Yeah, it, it definitely yeah. does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because International. Like, That's it. When, uh, when we were coming up, yeah, when we were coming up in the, in the 70s and the 80s, you know, I started writing music when I was 15 years old, and I started playing, mm-hmm. you know, keyboards and synthesizers and things like that in my teen years, and I always dreamed of being like the next Duran Duran or Depeche Mode or whatever I was into at the time, and then I got okay, into more experimental okay. stuff as I went on. But there was no possibility because you had to have your demo tape. You had to go up to the Capitol Record, Records building in Hollywood out there in L.A., or, you know, you, you had to know somebody. And it, like you said, gatekeepers, man, that's the correct term. Now we bypass that's all right. that shit, and we publish our own works. We, we get our stuff mm-hmm. out there. And I work with a lot of people in the music world to where we self-publish. We, we do everything in-house. I write the music. I produce the music. I mix it down. I do all of the things that I need to do to get to where I want it to be. And then, and then I can just put it out there. And I don't have to worry about – and I don't do 
any all this artistic shit that I do, all this stuff is in my spare time. I don't do any of it for money because I don't want to be controlled by the aspect of making money by what I do. Because now I feel throttled. I feel constrained. You know, I don't mm. take any sponsors with Bald Head Radio. I've had I've had offers that, hey, man, you can do some live spots for me, you know, some live reads on the show. I'm sorry, but uh, that means that now everything I do is going to reflect on your company. And if it reflects on your company in a bad way, then it's, it's, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. Right. right. I need to be my right. own entity. I need to be my own thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to have the freedom to express myself in the way that I want to express myself. And y'all can go fuck yourself. It's basically what it is, you know? Never mind. That's right. That's right. That's, that's right. I'm listening. That, I, I love it. That that actually, I heard what you said, and that really that hit me in the heart, man. Because not only do I love you, I love your family. I love Victoria. I love everybody, and even. Your brother, Jim and I, Burke, we've even talked. And for you to say that stuff to me, for you to say that stuff to me, it really, it really, I love you, man. I teared up. I love you, too. I love you, too. And I'll always remember that. All is well, and I love you. And I love you, man. And I will never take away any experience that I've had from... I mean, I'm trying to say the right things to you because you're so powerful with all your words. I absolutely... And the only thing I can say is that I love you, man. I love you, too. You know, you know we got it like that, Francie. You know how we got it. You know I love you. And you know I love you. I'm so glad to be so back on your show. I'm glad the show's rolling again. Night. Oh. I, I, I got a co-host. Well, you know, I'm here and for you. If you he need me, you, you come. It's, Anytime it's you need a me, fan you call. of yours. And tell him, tell him that you talked to his uh, his uh, agent secretary. Oh, uh, we did talk to your uh, your secretary. How did, how, very did, that, did that go well? She, she, good. It good, was very pleasant. I, I told her that you're very important. Uh, I said you're very important to me. So I am so glad uh, that. Uh, She's able to talk to you, and I'm, I'm glad that we're going to be working things out for next Sunday. We're going to have a good time next Sunday. All right. So send a me fan. a uh, – oh, I have been drinking a right, lot, a little bit through the show, okay. and i got to stop doing that. That's okay. Um, I, I, look, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, and I love you. And I'm just glad that you got the yeah, show back on the road. Yeah, I've cut back a lot. 
I have cut back a lot, but the same thing is I'm cutting back food. Not eating. So, um, send me how I'm okay. Uh, what I'll do is I'll have Sandy, I'm going to have Sandy send you everything, have the format and everything filled out, okay? I'm going to have everything filled okay. out so you don't have to worry about it. She'll send you the format. Everybody will be here. We'll play some music. Show? We're going to play some music. Did We're going to play Solomon's okay? music. You were beautiful. As always, you were beautiful. And remember, confidence. Okay. Keep that confidence. You did a great job. Yeah, I got to get this back. I got to get my mojo back. Get that mojo back. It's coming. It's coming. It looked pretty good tonight. It sounded good tonight. I would agree. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would agree, really? Francie. Francie, yeah, you know, when when you when you called me last week to uh, you know, get you back up in the saddle, I told you, come into it like Jim and I said, with confidence. You come into it believing and I told you you've been doing this so long, everybody's gonna come back. They're gonna be on your show, they're gonna wanna be around and uh you have no worries there, but you do need to concentrate a little mm-hmm. bit on your confidence there. And you'd be fine. You'd be good. That's it. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, I think too, Francie. Go ahead, bro. I was going to just say like this, you know, I've been, you know, my my mojo has been playing in hide and seek with me for a while. But, you know, uh, the cool thing about with, with what you do is you listen to yourself and uh, see the fruits of your labor and don't deny yourself the reality. When you put a show together, and it, you don't have to do everything in the show. When you book the right guests and get right. the right co-host, it's a mic drop. Mm-hmm. You can drop it and back away, and then you can see the right. fruits of your That's labor. Right. So you don't have to be Absolutely. like um, like Suge Knight said. You don't need no producer all over your record. <laughs> so you don't need to have right. to be all That's over right. your show for it to be good. So just sit back and listen you, to the fruits of, some yeah. of your labor, and it'll come back if to you. you. It, if you have if you have a good team behind you, you don't need to be 100% always all over it because if you trust the people that are backing you up, if you trust the people that are that are, that are helping you to do the things that you need to do, you need to let them do what they do to bring you up and understand that we all work together in everything that we do. Nobody does everything all by themselves. I mean, there are guys that That's do right. it yeah, and you know, God bless them and stuff. But like with what I do, I got a team around me. I got people that believe in me, and they bring me up, and that gives me even more confidence than I already might have had. On top of that, we all work together. That's why I'm here tonight. I honestly, did not know that we were still alive. Well, we're we're in post. We're not alive now. We're 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 still recording, but. We're not going on live. Well, you didn't, you didn't believe that we were all no, still hanging I on. I did this, not know that we were even still recording. I thought you hung up. We're still supporting. We're, we're still we're here. We're going to hang with you until they cut us off. We're going to hang with you until they cut us off. Oh, I got to right. listen to what you guys said to me about me. Okay. It's all about I the people that you have around you. I did bring bread. 
uh, Gemini and Jeff, I'm really sorry I did take a few shots. Well, that's okay. You know, just learn from it. I didn't didn't even notice. Learn from it. I didn't even notice. I didn't notice. (laughs) That's quite all right. He's telling me that you're lying. Francie, listen to me. If you didn't get the shot, I would think something was wrong. Francie, if you didn't get the shot, I would would think something was wrong. Yes, it is. You it, it, you know what? Let's let's play a little trick or treat on my mom, who's gonna listen to this tomorrow and say, "Ha ha!" I didn't drink. Okay, that didn't work. But you know what? You're gonna yeah, try calling your something. mom live what on the air. What you're doing is like riding a bicycle. What you're doing is like riding oh, a yeah, bicycle. Oh yeah, I gotta get back on the bike. To my mom tomorrow. Let's get back on the bicycle. You're fine. Huh? Let's get back on that bicycle. Okay, I'm going to okay. get just, on the bicycle. Just, just remember to ride that bicycle sober. You won't fall over. You'll be all right. Yeah. Well, yeah hey, at if least you're going to do that, put a helmet on. Put a helmet on. If you're going, <laughs> you're going to take a little drink, put a helmet on. Because I don't want you to hit no curves. I love these guys, man. No, 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 no. Hey, can we say goodnight? I love you, Francie. Yes, how about we, I love you, uh, how about, how about we do this? I'm so sorry, and Jeff Carroll, I'm so sorry, and... All right, I'm going to do this for I'm you, Francie. Stop apologizing, Francie, no but as your, as your co-host on the show, I will do the, the closeout of the show. So here's what we're going to do. Jeff Carroll, get your plugs out. What you got? What do you What do you want us to all know? What do you want the listeners to, to go check out? Well, I'll say this. Um, in light of the recent post-Facebook apocalypse scare last week where uh, yeah. Facebook went down, we may not That's know right. how to reach each other. So we all have to develop some alternative means of communication um, or connection. Yes. Yes. Um, you, you can find me by Googling any of my books on Amazon. They're all on my page, Jeff Carroll. Um, so that's one. Also, like you, I have a YouTube channel. My company is Red, Black, and Green Promotions, so I post my movie trailers, and I also do a driving uh, writing blog when I'm taking my son to school in the morning. So that's what Very you can cool. find me on YouTube. And, um, yeah, stay stay tuned. I got good books. I got Harlem Shake. I got the, um, It Happened on Negro Mountain. And I got a bunch of movies coming out this ho- um, this October. And so that's my plug. Right on. Okay, Jeff, I just sent you a friend request on the Facebooks there. You and I can okay. keep in touch that way. And then, uh, you know, I'll be – send me a link to your YouTube channel, and I will do vice versa. I got a lot of stuff on – my YouTube channel, my laptop puppet channel, is, is pretty goofy. I do a lot of barbecue stuff. Um, I do a, uh, a lot of stuff regarding my music and bald head radio and things like that, so uh, we can keep in and, touch and you're Brett, right? that way as well. Yeah, I'm Brett. Yep, Brett Cruson. Okay, and, I just uh, got it. Definitely. Gemini Burke, what do you got for us? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tune well, in next week. <laughs> I'd just to let, like to let everybody know uh, I appreciate uh, you being here with everyone, and I guess we're wrapping up, so that would mean we're almost home. So, mm-hmm. as my father would say, good night, everyone. God bless you, and I'm praying for you. All is well.
Amen. Your, bro- your father was a good man. I really love talking to that guy. He was just amazing. All right. Francie, any last words? Hmm. <laughs> I guess not. All right, then. You've been listening to Francie and Friends. I am the co-host this evening. And I'm very happy to have been here. Brett Cruson. we'll talk to you all later. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.